Section seven of the dial may nineteen twenty this LibriVox recording is in the public domain reading by matt perrard section seven the lichen by edna waller mccourt one we must get to church early mrs mergenick said i want to talk to the sunday school teacher about esther's dress for the june theatricals besides they say the new minister gets angry if people straggle in i'll hitch the horses esther's mother imparting loving advice about the coming festival in which the child was to take conspicuous part dressed her theirs was conversation as between familiars esther even led yet she had never been master in the sense that she wished any vagary or will of her own obeyed or followed hers was the leadership of the man as a couple dances no matter in what concord she resembled the lichen which is never an individual but a firm of two living together so intimately as to appear a single plant the subtle predominance that always characterizes one of a team of horses even though he has never pulled alone was hers without compliment she was not herself she and her mother were intimate and together but the attitude of each towards that intimacy was different as themselves the mother adored had faith accompanied the child was accompanied and therefore at peace yet if esther had been asked if she had been asked casually what was her greatest need she would have answered without a catch of hesitation play-acting but she was not asked casually that sunday morning years later when this day visited her she knew there had been nothing casual about it as well it had not felt like sunday the basswood trees that towered twice as high as the farmhouse had not held their branches with easy sunday listlessness the shiftless white road that crawled along the hills had possessed dignity bumping the spring wagon far less than usual the crude steeple of the white box which was the county church had pointed its finger momentously mrs marianick talked with the sunday school teacher about her daughter's curls how the silver stars were to be sewn around the hem of the garment where the gold one was to be on her forehead esther listened chained and then dreamed of herself who was titania until she noticed the new minister she was consciously surprised that she noticed him ministers had been ministers before their voices and dresses and expressions were beyond differentiation she had thought she knew all that was to be known about ministers there was something about this minister which was new he was tall but thick like one who can lift a weight his forehead was large and his thin hair curled his skin was dusky as though it had opposed strong winds and his lips were full as sacks overfilled with their stuff his large nostrils distended as he preached with a sort of sniffling restlessness as though he needed to but dared not waste energies in using a handkerchief he did not read a droning sermon he talked thunder and he is talking to me esther was panic-stricken the voice filled the building as a storm fills a tree it hit the girl's ears as though boxing them 
and she quivered from the shock the vibration of her body sensitized to the man's will he despised her that was simple and plain he called the heart she brought to church despicable he knew she came only because of the theatricals he spat out the word he knew she cared only for them that they not god trumpeted he knew she never thought of god that she prayed only with her lips for all you profess he bellowed for all that you swagger here to his house i tell you you are a liar at heart you have never spoken with god you have never told him the truth i tell you you have never prayed what are a man's lips shadow of the substance and you have prayed only with shadows you have never prayed with your heart he flung a finger at esther it was large and hairy its nail was broken its tip was black but now you are going to pray search your soul with a flaming taper and speak with god tell him the truth i charge you pray the roar subsided to the stentorian stillness called silent prayer esther's hands folded then they shivered as she did and flung apart not even the conventional pose dared she assume under this man her fingers found the back of the pew before her clutched her eyes caught the altar women had brought red rambler roses red rambler roses the child's being soared god she said i want to be a great actress more than anything else in the world i want to be a great actress i will starve or steal to be a great actress i don't want anything else i'm sorry i've so often said give us this day our daily bread and if i should die before i wake i pray you my soul to take i won't ask you any more things like that i honestly don't want anything but to be a great actress i'll never lie to you again her prayer became pictures she saw her father's father he had been a strolling player in bohemia his gay sash and turban were in the attic now and his tambourine he had become acclimated to the american plough and overalls but esther could not visualize him as a farmer just as she could not picture her father as anything else they had buried him but for all her fickle ten years he persisted alive and real an actor so did the fairy tales he told her live and the strange lines of fire he had dramatically orated in a flaming tongue she did not understand and he had encouraged her play-acting she saw him persuading her to his audience into heroines of nursery rhymes into the proud princesses of legends she saw him teaching her serious pieces too couched in splendid accurate words of sorrow and love and death she had lingered over long with the sad ones for the sadder the pieces were the more the heroines seemed herself and now she saw the old grandfather clutch his gnarled stick with his gnarled hands beat time with his square lumbering boot and cry with vibrant toothless gums enough of that now liebkind enough of tears dance liebkind oh why do you hesitate why do your eyes look uncertain dance alone of course why can't you dance alone liebkind 
she saw his watery eyes dazzling like the prong of a pitchfork in the sun but she never had discovered the joy of dancing alone the red rambler roses the women had brought wiped the picture they were now on the new minister's altar and demanded words more than anything else i want to be a great actress but then the flowers stirred so did esther's grey-green eyes they found a stern finger crowned with black piercing her she screamed almost aloud the whole church had suddenly become stentorian with why can't you dance alone liebkin she cried it's a lie what i've been praying wait a minute god search your soul with a flaming taper he had said and then the truth rose out of her like wild birds from a marsh it darkened her dream of becoming an actress exactly as a flock does the sky and the truth became her new prayer a prayer of pictures too pictures of her mother telling how when she was the smallest of babies she had screamed and sobbed if left alone in a room of herself barely able to toddle yet crawling about after her mother or father or grandfather or the hired girl after anybody so as not to be alone of her play-acting with her grandfather now with her mother she remembered she could not sleep in a room alone that word alone was a vulture picking her corpse clean speech came more than anything else in the world i want someone to be with me i don't ever want to be left alone god i want someone to be with me always amen the man they said was a minister uttered the last word two when she was seventeen her mother died and within a year esther eloped with an actor the baldier he called himself which was like him there had been a wall between her and her father though after his wife died he began to feel it his duty to notice his daughter he did so silently or carping when she kissed him tragically she meant it even though she was acting he grunted actress his eyes were plainly ashamed of the dresses she contrived because they were soft enough to float or cling to her thin limbs and because their colors every other farmer's daughter shunned he thought her a fool for wearing one earring why could he not understand that two earrings made her long white face look too long that one ovaled it when he scolded that she was too young for pearls she knew he could never be dear to her no one could be precious who did not realize too that they made her red lips redder and emphasized the gray-green of her lichen-colored eyes she needed pearls the people of the stodgy middle west village were not her people she could not keep step with them she glided they thumped the older folks were her father's echo girls stopped whispering when she joined them boys looked at her as a cat watches a bird she burned incense in her room all the farmhouses smelled of bread baking of course when plays were given whoever was manager fawned but since her mother's death no person in all the county had acted with esther so her dearly beloved plays spread no joy besides the villagers kept producing inane light comedies silly kittenish moral things she had outgrown at twelve she went the baldier for escape 
but being a poor actor on the stage he was an excellent one off it and he indulged in moods extravagances fine words and attentions that fed esther's yearning of the theatrical his manager gave the girl one look and made her member of his troupe he saw possibilities in that single airing esther stared at this man something about him drew and held her she wondered what was in his eyes other than the instant comprehension of her as an actress not the infatuation scrawled in the baudiers lit them nor the country boy's expression of a cat watching a bird but then she had it his was the look of a dog watching a bird the company was kind to her and now that her husband was always with her she was happy to be with real actors and actresses she slaved over the minor parts assigned her at every most insignificant pose the troupe travelled constantly she was seeing the world one morning she dreamed of her good fortune above a soiled tablecloth in a small hotel's dining-room the manager came beside her her sight returned and she realized she had been alone at one window the baudier stood with his leading lady a full-blown pink peony whose lashes curled esther's were straight and long like an animal's like a fawn's the baudier had said the other members of the company were grouped companionably about another window costello asked why alone mrs tibby do you like to be like to be alone i can't bear to be alone the confidence pleased him smugly his hand adding the ashes from his cigar to the muddied dregs of her coffee-cup touched and quieted her thin fingers you won't ever have to be alone esther if you don't want to be i could have assured you that the first time i saw you she chose to misinterpret i had only been married a day then he did not pretend to be fooled you can depend upon me he said steadily her lichen-coloured grey-green eyes flinched she didn't want to depend on costello she wanted to depend on tippy she loved tippy he had sworn he loved her too not now so much as formerly but he had sworn it besides they were married that meant he would never leave her alone she didn't want to depend on costello he had been a darling to take her on and promise her real parts but it was tippy she wanted with her he was so suave so the hero of her dreams she kept her voice calm you're awfully good to me but i hope i won't have to bother you much but there was uncertainty in her tone and so costello looked as if he had found a lost key he was square and his fingernails were so were his palms and his chin she glanced toward her husband long vivid the popular conception of a matinee idol to his teeth and costello caught the comparison tibby is a handsome dog and i don't blame you for being crazy about him he's kind too after his fashion and generous esther's disturbed eyes turned happy but buxom pink-cheeked englishwomen seem to be his type then he added so as not to antagonize her that's probably why he fell for you so hard she clutched at the inconsistency with gratitude tibby had told her just that your frail white triangle face is a kiss on both my eyes you're a little star among clouds he had fingered her your beautiful 
wonderful bones child why have i run after plump women but that had been months before you can depend on me if i say so esther costello repeated she did not answer he tipped comfortably in his uncomfortable dining-room chair once he announced there was a woman who meant everything she said of course she was accused of having no imagination but that has nothing to do with the story if she had made a bargain with satan she would have stuck to it though the good lord himself stretched her a hand when she reached the proper age her teeth went back on her and she decided to get a set of false ones she went to a dentist and said i want a set of new teeth doctor but i won't take them until i've paid for them when he finished making the plates he naturally told her to wear them but she would not because they weren't paid for i said i wouldn't take them until they were paid for and i won't she declared she was a poor old lady but kept on bringing in money for those teeth in very small amounts the dentist kept urging her to wear her plates assuring her they were perfectly useless to him but she would only shake her scotch head and say not until i've paid for them by the time she had six or eight months after they were made they didn't fit her any more the shape of her mouth had changed i'll make you a new set the dentist sighed but for pity's sake don't try to pay for it before you take it i most certainly shall she insisted and i won't wear it until i do once more she proceeded to bring in her straggling pennies but by the time she had the second set paid for her gums had again sagged and the procedure began all over again the old lady died before she got any false teeth but she hadn't gone back on her word esther smiled now but her smile was of hope and not amusement yes costello's eyes were like a dog's that old lady was my grandmother he concluded we're supposed to be as light as two beer bottles three when the bodier deserted her esther's theatrical friends did except james costello all through the girl's first astonished grief he sat with her as a mother with a sick child sympathizing or denouncing according to her mood he barely left her before her pangs of actual and anticipated loneliness ceased when she woke weeping in the night his sure square fingers quieted hers sometimes he fed her with a spoon then with acceptance of the inevitable she descended into a lethargy of despair she did nothing she wanted to do nothing she was afraid of life she could not live alone costello assured her he would never leave her and paid all her bills but he did not play a single tune he had knowledge of her character which was real he knew the door of her true being was to be opened with a double key he knew that through her art also he must arouse and win her he wooed her with delicate flattery subtle encouragement he painted pictures of herself on a throne and the world at salon you have a wonderful future before you dear he reiterated constantly you're going to become a great actress you must live for that you can't afford to waste more months of energy because tibby is gone you honestly aren't going to be alone haven't i promised you you must throw off this lethargy 
you must make up your mind to be a great actress you must get to work i am going to help you make a name for yourself he composed endless variations of this theme and after a while she began to pat his arm he accepted a position as assistant to a third-rate new york manager i'll be able to keep in touch with the big guns if i'm there i'll find something worth while for you all you've got to do is to improve your technique you've got it in you to put it over there isn't any doubt about it and when the big chance comes i'll be your manager so finally he got her back on the road but remember he said at parting whatever happens you can depend on me if you need me or want me i can come to you even if you're stranded in frisco money goes over the wire as easy as words so don't worry and i'll keep writing ten years passed before esther's chance came those years held her work and a faithful companion in so far she was content she toured until she believed she knew every landmark of every transcontinental line she played in vaudeville and melodrama and stock she was everything from juvenile to lead even ingenue and withered old woman she acted before burlesque audiences before the foolish kindly folk that demanded melodrama before vaudeville houses from the rank to the tolerable her stock experience was usually with fair companies before stodgy crowds sometimes her salary defrayed her expenses when it did not changed it yet though she loved her work and had this man with her she sought friends at least she sincerely believed it was friendship she was seeking although she was aloof undemocratic even unsociable in every human relationship not that costello had failed her he satisfied the primary need of her nature but her nature was not simple and so there were other needs he is a dear if it weren't for him i couldn't bear to live she said countless times the while her eyes searched for what she called friendship she turned first to men and she did meet some few who felt genuine friendship for her but her demands upon them were unreasonably excessive and frightened them off she yielded them no solitude she asked for her own friendship and charmed the constancy they could not pay all others sooner or later came to look at her as the cat watches the bird which chill she consciously announced she did not want love she was incapable just then of passion she had had her little idol her art indulged her emotional nature what should she want of love then she tried women she experienced the satisfaction of roaming with them she liked to hear breathing in the night she liked to discuss in minute detail the fine shadings of dress and hair and lip rouge she liked someone to experiment with her in new styles she liked someone there to bring hot water bottles or headache powder to her yet each woman left esther in what seemed a desert and for some man james always found her then and led her to an oasis they spent their vacations together his attentions had ceased being subtle but she did not mind he was with her and she was grateful she was even proud of inspiring so faithful a passion very earnestly she tried to return it if i could wake up some morning and discover i loved him she often thought i would be the happiest woman in the world i try to and he isn't unhappy 
i even think he's satisfied he doesn't really know i don't love him and he does know he's all i've got but i can't love him it seems and then she met the man she could he was the great metropolitan producer hamel james had worked like an ant to introduce esther to him for he was certain she had passed through school and graduated equipped to rank with the first of her profession he knew she was worthy of being put on by a big manager but he knew just as well that hers was no popular talent nor the sort the average producer dares back her beauty was gaunt and rare and she shone only in that rather fatalistic tense and yet listless tragedy which is never a favorite with the box office costello knew the only man in the country who could both recognize esther's talent and dare back her was hamel and the producer was interested esther fascinated him both as possibility and woman conversely he attracted her as he might have her body had he drawn her to him she had never warmed toward any but handsome men and she thought hamel a symphonic study in black and white when she caught in his eyes the look of the cat watching the bird she was glad and her laugh was very sweet her buoyancy did not deceive her and she let hamel catch the high polish on her eyes their dinner sailed through midnight secure in his ten-year sovereignty james observed no by-play he was rubbing his hands hamel understands her i knew he would broadway will be lapping her up with a spoon if he puts her on next day esther went to providence to play hedda in a stock company which imported principals from the metropolis within the week james persuaded hamel to run up with him for a performance she has more than personality he assured the manager she knows how to move her pantomime is sheer magnetism she can raise one of her thin shoulders so that your ears hear a shriek there's the difference between her voice and other women's that there is between a stradivarius and a factory-made fiddle without coaxing hamel went but he sat through the performance like a sphinx neither afterwards nor next morning did he mention esther and james was too wise to press discussion for several weeks silence but when esther returned a telegram waited in her stateroom i think i can put you on we will show broadway come to me as soon as you arrive in new york hamel she flew to james at last i've got my chance oh how can i thank you he's going to see me he's going to put me on as always he met her mood he helped over an effective toilette he ran errands he criticized her silhouette he drank wine to her he prophesied to the stars then he put on his best frock coat so as befitting the confident and manager of an actress about to become olympian together they entered hamel's office he had arisen at announcement of esther's arrival his eyes now a cat's watching a bird on the ground but outside of costello that expression changed to cool anger deliberately turning his back on the man he led esther to an alcove and for her james had suddenly become extinct non-existent she was drunk with hamel and yet too her mind was clearer than it had ever been in her life it was a window washed for the first time she consciously and with amusement analyzed her idol with the bottier, 
the play-acting every young girl drowns herself in she knew her yearning toward this man was real he was of her species and only such can mate she greedily consumed his poise grace personality and his long length she knew the manifestation of character rather than structural whim hamel understood the finest shade of her interpretation of hedda she never saw the firmer set of costello's square jaws next day hamel's note came in a forest of red roses let us waste no time broadway is waiting when will you come to talk over the contract i mean of course when will you come alone she began to sing james said you're not going to call on hamel that discord stopped her melody she stared you're not going to call on hamel james repeated then esther's gray-green lichen-colored eyes showed amusement an eyebrow questioned you're not going to him because if you do you'll never see me again costello's meaning was certain like the tick of a clock as sure as you've been able to depend upon me these ten years so surely you will never see me again if you go to hamel i want you myself of course you can go if you like i'll make no fuss you know i'm not that kind but you'll have to pay if you do he's as inconstant as they make him he'll throw you over before you say jack robinson and then you'll have only your art i don't believe you you're cruel you're jealous but esther shivered never mind what i am i'm just putting yourself up to you if you go to hamel you'll get a little love and a big name if you stay with me you'll have me always he caught the derision she felt and added and a big name too he blustered i got you this chance didn't i i'll get you another but she knew he never could she knew no other producer could use her peculiarities she saw herself doomed to the drab drudgery of the past ten years she revolted you're trying to scare me she played with her nervous fingers i don't care if you can get me another chance i don't care if you get me a hundred besides i know you couldn't even get me one more but even if you could i want hamel to put me on he won't throw me over i'm sure he won't how many other women do you suppose have said that too see here esther you're no baby not that i mean to influence you but i know you better than you know yourself and i think enough of you to try to make you understand what you're doing and then coldly as a surgeon carving into a man to draw out a cancer he brought forth visualized every period of her life when she had been alone the year after her mother's death the year after her husband deserted her every detail of agony she had suffered as each friend had vanished his words rustled in her ear like the flutter of the wings of a hawk his motif was as terrible as persistent you'll go through all that again if you turn me down and without me on the horizon do you think you could stand it and yet it was only her body costello was racking with these truths her soul was under the spell of hamel's roses i don't care what you say yet her teeth were chattering i'm going to him i want to be a great actress i don't want anything else in the world i'm going her decision lifted her i'm going to hamel i can trust his flowers i want to be a great actress 
yet with that cry the roses stirred costello was emphasizing his argument with a forefinger all right go if you will but mark my words you'll be sorry i know your complex through to your spine but i'm also pretty certain about the foundation you were built on look into your soul esther you'll see there what you really want his finger flung at her the echo of her cry i want to be a great actress the red roses and then suddenly pitted against any glory there was the essence of herself her knees rocked her she was herself twenty years before she was a little girl in a country church a terrible voice was bidding her search her soul with a flaming taper a finger was piercing her crown with black the truth was standing before her like a wall she did not even answer hamel's note four life was a black hole with nothing in it and she was stifling at its edge but costello was beside her holding her hand end of section seven